straight up dumb talking about how he likes the Terry one from Rick and Morty because it's so colourful and stupid. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, what's a homework question? I don't know, it's your episode. Mm, and considering I've started recording, you better come up with the face. Oh, okay. But the face. Alright. I'm sorry if I'm shifting the table. That's okay. I'm getting comfy. Got a saddle on it. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> working. It's recording. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast that comes in a paste you apply to your skin. Yeah, it's a foot cream. Uh, my name is Toad Apollo, and this week we've been throwing metal frisbees all over the house and taking ice baths. The damage has been immense. I, I have actually tried that. Alright. But how else can you put yourself in the shoes of Steve Rogers, the Star Spangled Avenger, the Sentinel of Liberty, Captain America? Funny that you bring up Sentinels of Liberty. I like all those weird catchphrase characters. You know, like the fucking Caped Crusader, the Dark Knight, all that stuff. The Scarlet Speedster. Mm. I'm, oh, I'm just about out of them already. The Clown Prince of Chrome. Uh, do you know any? Yes. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Well, joining <laughs> me is my producer, the biggest fan of Peggy Carter I know. Hi. Yep, Kyle. Um, if you enjoy our company, let us know by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. All yeah, those, yeah. All the things. All right. Are you ready to jump in? Um, as ready as I can be. All right. I've been sick for like. Five days now. And it's really getting to me. Yeah. Um, it's not corona, though. It is not corona. I just have, like, a sinus infection. Right. I am okay. Just going to get it on the mic, everybody. Look out. I will survive this flu. All right. It's um, from all the ice baths. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Very good. So, we know Marvel, like, the Marvel we know. Yes. Begins in the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. That's where Stan Lee comes from, his involvement in the creations of characters like Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Hulk, all the way through to like Doctor Strange and shit. Everything we've seen in a Marvel movie is very Silver Age. Yes, because very. it was called something else before that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was the... It paved the way with sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Um, this is when Flash got the lightning bolt and the chemicals nonsense. This is when Green Lantern technology became space cops instead of the magic dude in the cape um yep we've covered it throughout our podcast but to quickly summarize the modern age coincided with like the war on drugs and everyone's slowly getting very jaded over time basically mental illness yeah uh the silver age was around the space race and the golden age took place when patriotism was important during the second world war and the great depression yeah Um, it was kind of that like really crappy period of time (laughs) Golden Age comic books are like the Russian propaganda of its time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what better example of American patriotism is there quite like Captain America issue one? Yeah. Now, this is the uh, the cover of him punching Hitler in the face. Oh, boy. It's a good one. It's mm. very busy, though, for, like... It's what? that old flashy stuff. Not everything was like that yellow cover of Superman breaking the chains. A lot of it was, look how much stuff we've packed into this yes. magazine. You should get this one. It was clearly a, we're, we're trying to stand out on the, um, like, 
newspaper stand. Yeah. Look how much we've got. Mm. It's like we're introducing Bucky. It's like, bro, we don't know who is a sidekick to yet. Can we just can we just relax for five minutes? No, well, I don't. Like Bucky's barely even on it. It's Cap in a lab punching Hitler in the face with a bunch of SWAT stickers around it. With, like, a bunch of weird-looking Nazi officers around him, and, like, clearly the Star Spangled Banner around Yeah. So the whole, um, oh, I wish comic books weren't so political, usually that argument will come back to this issue. Um, oh, it, it, it does tell you who Bucky is. Yeah, also, Captain America's younger ally, Bucky. Yeah, it's like introduced, because obviously Robin was probably a thing, everyone had a child sidekick, because childs were the readers. Yeah. Childs is the thing I just said. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you've pointed it out, hmm. Um, so, let's step even further back to paint this picture, okay. to get to this event. Um, to understand where Steve Rogers came from, we need to go to 1917, uh, in which Jacob Kurtzberg was being, well, was born, was being born. Um, he grew up in a in the lower east of New York City with his working class parents, both of which were Jewish immigrants from Austria. Um, in this rough time and place, young Jacob learned you need to be tough to survive. You can't really take anyone's shit. True. Um, but like a lot of people, even and especially now, he found escape through fantasy. I mean, shit, that's why we're here recording this. That's my favourite way of escaping the universe. Uh Just check this cinematic scene for a moment. Just, I want you to visualise it. Okay, eyes closed. Yeah, close your eyes for a guided meditation. (laughs) Just that this one moment literally changed the world for fucking ever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. One rainy day in New York City. Mm. Right. Little Jacob Kurtzberg is walking home in presumably gumboots or what have you. Mm -hmm. I don't know what people do. Um, when, when something floats by him in the stormwater. Mm-hmm. I can a, picture this. All right. Like a, just a, a mag, a pulp magazine mm-hmm. called Wonder Stories mm-hmm. floats by this boy. This cover art captivated him. So he picked it up and took it with him. Well, uh, see, you know, the drain, you know, the t- no one attached to it. Yep. Yeah, you know, the old pinuppy sci-fi artwork. I think I left the tab open on you. You did. I do. What do you, what do you, what do you see in here? This is like Attack of the 50-Foot Woman poster kind of old school stuff. Um, did you want me to get into the one that you have, like, selected? That's specifically the one he up? found. Oh, okay. That's why I left that one up. Okay. It's very, like, 5,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, you've got this, like, old story thing. The women are, you know, they're not really pretty, but you wouldn't, like... They pass you on the street. You'd look at them. It's all Betty Pages and, like, big, muscly, smart scientist dudes. Yeah. It's the cast of Creature of the Black Lagoon. Yeah. I can, yeah. yeah. I can definitely see that. You get those old school vibes. Um, yeah, but not only did this magazine that he pulled off the street captivate him, but it, all, it also inspired him. Of course. he begun to draw. By 1939, he was working for Fleischer Studios, helping. We've spoken about them before. Yeah, helping draw animation for Popeye and Betty Boop and yep. things like that. But for a 22-year-old trying to escape the factory work <laughs> that his father did, mm. um, this old hand-drawn animation stuff was too similar. Like it's obviously not the case now, but it was all done 
in cubicles. You were doing the in-betweens. You were hand-drawing everything. It's very factory. But it's, like, even the action is repetitive because to create, like, and I know this from old Disney trivia, but to create, like, ten seconds worth of film for the camera, you have to redraw the same image, like, ten times. It's more than that. I think it's like 26 per frame. No, but that's of one image. Then you have to change it slightly and draw that again another couple of times and then draw that so that Mm -hmm. when it actually starts flipping through, it's a very slow movement so that it looks believable. Yeah. So you are doing literally the same activity again and again, which is the same thing as factory work. Yeah. So he left in search of something he could sort of make his own. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't have it written down anywhere. I don't think. But, like, he would try, like, art school and shit, but he hated that too. Most artists do. It's the same reason. I hated it, though. They want you to do... They want you to take your time and figure it out and then write... Not a hypothesis, but the other one. An artist statement. Yeah, fuck all that. He just wanted to get it done. I think the quote was specifically, I was there to... I forget, Look, I forget the quote. But it was like, I was there to get a job done. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, 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 you're using your charcoal too fast. And he said, ah, fuck, use it. Basic, basically, it's the exact way I feel about art teaching, but because I'm an art teacher, I have to actually follow the rules. <laughs> so, instead, he took some of his ideas and drawings, his little portfolio he had, and took it to the next key character in our episode, mm-hmm. an editor and artist at Fox Publications, Joe Simon. We like this man. This is not Fox, like the Simpsons, bought by Disney Fox. This is like a little, small magazine place. Wait, well, we're going to get in... in some of the notes coming up, we also talk about Archie Comics, which isn't Archie Comics, it's Archie Comics. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, so we just go about the code. Like what was that thing we were looking at? NLG or something? What was that thing we were looking at earlier that was owned by Liongate Pictures as opposed to Lionsgate Pictures? Yeah. Because they're two well, completely separate entities. Man, we need to work some we need to work some stuff out. Yeah, we'll come back to that another time. Including your spelling of a name coming up. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> um so, Joe Simon was a, another Jewish young guy who came from the lower status family. So, they got along like a house on fire, these two. Of course. Like, Joe Simon used to like wearing a suit so he'd look professional. They know all the same jokes. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then um, Kurtzberg would be like, bro, you're, you're fucking, you draw, you draw kitty books, why are you wearing a suit? Who are you kidding? He's like, my dad's a tailor, so I just kind of look fancy. So the reason Jacob didn't gel with the art schools is is what I said. He didn't like to waste time. He was a fast worker. Mm -hmm. And when Joe saw what a speedster Jacob was, he asked for a hand on a superhero comic he was running behind on. Mm -hmm. Because they they were just there chatting and he was drawing up a sketch. He's like, shit, can you give me a hand with this? And this character was an old... Very forgotten the time character called the Blue Bolt. Kind of a cool name. Yeah, but then you read it and you thumb through it, and he got—he was a football player who got struck by lightning, and then he was getting like airlifted to the hospital, and the helicopter got struck by lightning. So now he has lightning powers, but they also gave him a lightning gun. The gun's superfluous at that point. The gun is superfluous at that point. It's a funny hat. It's, it's very old school. It never got updated or retconned to be cool, mm. like Batman or Captain America or anything in those days. Mm. So it's been left all weird and dusty. I like the weird and dusty. Fuck yeah. Why well, I'm with you. Great. 
Um, so on issue five of Blue Bolt, the yeah. credits were signed by the two guys because they were he wasn't doing backups anymore. He was just there. Yeah. It was signed Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Mm, I know that name. Mm-hmm. So that was his stage name. Much like, check this out, Norma Jean Mortensen yeah. or, you ready? Ida Van Hermstra Hepburn Rustin. Yep. Stage names were common in publication and show business to leave you be outside the job, you know, so you don't have the fancy autograph in real life. Mm-hmm. And to make you sound, honestly, in those days, whiter. Yes, it was very much a big thing. Mm, that's, um, Stan Lee is not his real name because he was ashamed of doing comics when he started. Yep. And it just kind of went better than his romance novels. Yeah. So now that was it's his name forever. Well, and Norma Jean, of course, is Marilyn Monroe. And Eda Van Hemstra Hepburn Rustin is Audrey Hepburn. Mm, neither of which name you spell correctly. I just went with that one article I was thumbing through to find a good example, and then I saw Audrey Hepburn's name, and I'm like, that's a fucking paragraph. It's in. Yeah. It's a good name. It's a shit name. So, speaking of showbiz, Mm -hmm. there's usually bastards in it. Always. Yep. So, let's meet the character behind curtain number three. Yes, Martin Goodman. Has to be a Goodman. The original Stanley. The... Head honcho. Mm-hmm. All right. He was a publisher and saw how trendy superheroes like Superman and Batman were. Of course. About a year into it, he picked up on that little detail. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he wanted to grab a quick buck because, you know, this shit was selling off the racks. It was inspiring the troops, which was sort of a backfire. It was originally just to amuse kids. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you had all the youth. You had all the men. And, you know, everyone was loving it. Later down the line, you start picking up the women. Mm. Um, very we'll, shortly. We'll get into that. Mm. Um, so, he wasn't the most finger-on-the-pulse dude, as we're obviously implying. Nah, he's about a year out. So, well, characters were putting on costumes to hide secret identities and battle for truth, justice, in the American way. Martin published stuff like Submariner... And the original Human Torch, as opposed to the Chris Evans one, mm. which I'm never going to forget, mm. also ties back into our Captain America episode, given who Captain America is now. Um, mm-hmm. So neither of these characters had secret identities. Nope. Neither of these characters had costumes. Nope. And they barely even saved the day. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the original Human Torch was an was just a human-shaped robot that could also be, Kaya, get this. On fire. That was his gimmick. So technically, he's just a torch. He's a broken fridge. He's a a human-shaped torch. He's a large, heavy piece of engineering that will sometimes burn your hand if you touch it. (laughs) That's our staple to compete with Superman. Now let's talk about our staple character to compete with Batman. Mm. Unless I said that already than Superman. I forget. Look, the point is, Submariner also... Was he, he doesn't have a costume, mm-hmm. doesn't have a secret identity. Mm-hmm. He certainly didn't fight for truth, justice in the American way. He used to get mad at both sides of the war because they would touch his waters. He was like a terrible Aquaman. And he's like, fuck the Nazis, but fuck all of you Americans as well. So he's the same as Switzerland, 
But the angry little brother. Yeah, he's like Bitch Switzerland. Cool. Alright, write that down somewhere, because that's a title. <laughs> um, so, neither had the spark of humanity that was making a killing over at DC Comics. Um, you can edit this out, if you choose. Martin need to come up with an actual superhero, by the sounds of it. Yeah, he. we needed something that actually ticked any of the boxes that make this genre... Literally 80 years old to this day and a fucking juggernaut still. So, he he's only a publisher. Yeah. So he hired someone else to do it for him. Joe, Joe Simon. And in another event that would change history and pop culture for the rest of fucking time, mm-hmm. so it stands so far, Joe asked if he could bring his buddy Jack Kirby along. Martin said, sure, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. That's, that's so good. At the time, this company was nameless. Yeah. Due to some dodgy tax stuff. Yeah. It would be called Timely Comics sometimes. It would be called Atlas Comics some other times. And eventually, Marvel Comics stuck. However, that's not until the Silver Age. Yeah, that's a long way away. <laughs> yeah. Because let me, let me tell you, when you were trying to research this particular period of history, it brain hurts. It's kind of part of the reason I wanted to cover it, because I always get mad when people give the creation of Thanos, Stan Lee, like they gave him credit, not the case. Well, hang on, so I did the second half of this notes, Hmm. you will get your chance to bitch later on. Yeah, well, I just wanted to do it, I wanted to prove that Marvel existed, even a little bit, before he was there. But see, that's the thing. Technically, Marvel Comics didn't exist before Stan Lee because... Because of the name bullshit. It didn't have a name. Because <laughs> it was a scam. And but McDonald's like existed see... before Ronald McDonald. Yes. This is what I'm saying. Like, the This the is our cheeseburger essence. The characters and the company and all of that existed. It just had so many freaking names that basically you can say that Marvel is a reboot of Atlas, which is a reboot of Timely. Hmm. Like. Which uh, which was a reboot of just something that didn't have a fucking name yet, apparently. And when you look at. Goodman like, Publications, I'd imagine. But that's the thing, when you look at, like, the end of Atlas Comics and the beginning of Marvel Comics, even the stuff that they were putting out in that time period is so convoluted that there's no wonder that people were like, eh, Stanley invented it. Because it's too, like, it's so hard to try and get your brain around what was going on at the time. Like, all of the comics, issue to issue, are contradicting the issue before it. These are things that people are reading month to month. Like, Mm. you can't do that. Yeah, back in the day, no one thought anything of it. And then they started to realise that people who read this month probably read last month. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous, but okay. So, um... We've got Joe Simon and Jack Kirby mm-hmm. here to quickly bang out a third uh, superhero for this company. Yeah, taking inspiration from some of their Blue Bolt stuff. Like you can you can tell like the the boots and the pants are exact, and then I don't know what the personality is like, but it's probably similar. Mm-hmm. Um, they took some inspiration from a character called the Shield, G Man Extraordinary, who is terrible. That's a shit name. Well, just so you know. He's written by Archie Comics before mm-hmm. they are Archie Comics. Yeah. I think it's GM 
GMJ or something. I can double check that acronym though. Um, he looked terrible at the time. He was. Oh yeah. He was like a dude in a bodysuit, but his entire chest was a shield shape. Yeah. And he did that thing where he wears a full face mask, but his hair flops out the top. I hate that. MLJ. MLJ. He's the name of Major League before they were Archie Comics. Um. So after, (laughs) I love this Captain America. After a full night of designing the character, he was completed. Yeah. Because in the old days, they weren't out of ideas yet. America. And there was only like four or five ideas. America. Yep. His name was Super American. Well, duh. Because he's... Thank... His name was Super American. (laughs) Oh, God. Great. Thank fuck they decided to change it to Captain America. It's true. Yep. They didn't want to clash with, like, other super titles. I did some research. I think that's just Superman and, like, a super wizard that I, I don't think he matters, frankly. Mm. But they went and captain a lot of that old pulp, like, stuff has captains in it. Look, like, it's, it's always cool. space captains and shit, you know? Captains are cool. So they went with that. It's a little more on brand for Kirby, especially. Yeah. So... Thanks to Marvel movies, we we all know the origin story. Not much has changed, which, you know, shows that it was good. Yeah. You know, it's not that it's timeless because the movie takes place in error appropriate, but it holds up. Yeah. It's that same spark, like, Batman's origin hasn't changed. But the thing a is... Lot of, a lot of good comic characters don't change. I feel bad for Wonder Woman, who changes every couple of weeks, apparently. The thing is that if you look at... And I know it sounds bizarre, but even with Superman, a lot of the origin stories are believable. A guy gets his parents shot, and so he tries to find a way to avenge them. Even the wacky Silver Age ones have enough bullshit science they're almost on the level but anyway that's, but that's the thing so world war Two necessarily doesn't fit but if you look at the cold war and mm-hmm. stuff that was happening just past world war Two, the whole invention of a super soldier totally makes sense like of course that shit is going on like behind doors and i mean i love talking about the lsd experiments fucking Edgewood and all that shit. Yeah. They were doing dumber things. Yeah. They were doing way dumber things than make people stronger. They were like, let's see how much LSD we can pump into this housewife to see if she'll clean quicker. Yeah. She didn't. Yeah, so don't try it. She could see the molecules in the fucking air. She was having a ball. Um, where are my notes? Here, here we go. Alright, so... Yeah, it's, it's a basic little wimpy guy becomes that one scene of Chris Evans holding the helicopter in place in Civil War. Yep. Using experimental steroids given to him by the government in order to turn the tide of the war. Yeah. The original version is not like a weird mascot like he is in the film. Yeah, it's mostly the same. Other than I, that. Look, we'll get into it. So Captain America finally... He's, he's, he exists now. He's become more than the first Avenger. He's become the first Marvel superhero. Technically. I'm not even going to say technically. He is. Those other... The other two is a malfunctioning robot on fire and a sea bitch. (laughs) He has wings on his feet. No. Doesn't need wings. He's underwater. Well, what do you think flippers are? 
I'm, they look like they were drawn with feathers, alright? I'll say what we're all thinking. He looked like Spock with feather ankles. Alright, so. Joe and Jack had a good hero on their hands. They needed a villain to match. They wanted to come up with something that was as detestable and hated as a Batman villain, but without going as theoretical and goofy and kind of stupid. Yep. Um, in order for Captain America to be believable, the villain needed to be believable too. Meanwhile, history's most famous villain is goose-stepping his Nazi brigade literally across the other side of the world. Yeah. So these two angry, angsty Jewish boys said, fuck it, Hitler. Yeah. And that brings us to the cover of Captain America 1. After you do a sneeze. After these messages, Kaya. No, I think he's gone. Oh. Okay, we're going to try this. All right, well, I'm okay. looking forward to that coming back later. So we're a year into the war mm-hmm. with our boy Hitler. Our boy, huh? You, you want to align yourself like that? <laughs> Look, it was going to happen. The world's most famous fucking villain. Hitler. Okay, so you've got Captain America issue one. Mm-hmm. It's released with a lovely cover art of Captain America punching Hitler square in the face. The comic itself sold nearly one million copies. However, it received very mixed reviews from fans. Yeah. So, the story is basically the government finds out that Nazi saboteurs have started shutting down American factories in Mm. order to stop them from helping the Allies in the war effort. Somehow President Roosevelt hears about this. And he's like, don't worry, boys, I got this. So he takes a bunch of um, official people into this heavily guarded lab where Steve, whiny little bitch boy, is waiting to be injected by a strange liquid. Pretty much all that we know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, we get through the whole stabby, stabby scene pretty much unscathed. Steve starts, like before your eyes turning into Captain America. But hang on. The entire lab has been taken over by Nazis. God damn it, it happened again. And so Steve has to kill them all and bash them up. Yeah. In order to stop them from getting the serum. Back when superheroes killed the shit out of all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so while the patriotism was praised, mm-hmm. uh, it got so bad that the police had to get involved due to the death threats. Because at the time in America, there was huge groups rallying behind the Germans. Um, It's the same as every political thing that's ever existed. There are two sides all the time. Yeah. Always bickering. And that's... So the guys were like... Being being two Jewish boys, they were like, there's all of this pro-movement getting its, like, message out and its voice heard, so why can't we do the same thing from our standpoint? Mm. And that was their big, like, we have a message, it's a good message, how can we get it out there? And this is something that Captain America comes back to again and again and again. So, yeah, they were receiving huge death threats. Yeah, and I I like that classic Jack Kirby... Chomping a fucking huge cigar, growing up on the main streets of, like, wartime New York City. Yeah. 
And he's like, yeah, fucking bring it. <laughs> he um, doesn't give a shit. But, you, so, like I was saying, at the moment you've got a heap of pro, like, German movements out there. Mm. Everyone's kind of like, yeah, World War in Europe. European war. Nothing to do with us. Yeah, we don't talk about that. A year later, Pearl Harbor gets bombed yeah. and America suddenly joins the war. Sorry, got to give you the history lesson. We've all seen that one bit of Robot Chicken when the Asian kid pushes the juice box off the American kid's desk and he goes, now it's my problem. Yeah. Okay, so Captain America quickly becomes one of the main patriotic themed superheroes of the time. I mean, there look was a at few him. Go- there was a few going around. I mean, even Superman was the... He was do- Golden it- boy. I mean, it's not red, white and blue, but it's there. And he always stood... In those days, Superman was great. He was standing up for the working class all the time. You know how many shitty bosses he would just beat up for being shitty bosses? It was great. Well, we will get into why that was a common theme as well. Because I'm going to tell you about those... We're, we're doing patriotic messages. Um, one of the main reasons they reckon that Captain America was getting so much play was because... He was published under his own title. Yeah, not a lot of dudes did that. Detective, action, strange tales, the house of mystery. There's plenty. And then you had Captain America. Yeah. Like, you knew what you were getting when you bought that comic. An issue that Simon and Kobe had right after the first issue was released was the fact that Captain America used to have a triangle shield. Yeah. And it looked an awful lot like MLG's The Shields really chest is. emblem. So by issue two, Goodman had convinced the boys to change his shield into a circle. Mm-hmm. By issue three, Stanley had convinced them that he should now throw his shield like some form of ultimate frisbee. And throughout subsequent issues, we would see running issues of... You know, Captain running around, taking out threats against um, America during World War II, namely, as well as they just used the platform to educate readers on, like, important morals that they thought America should have at the time. Like, for example, there is one issue where there's a couple of imposters who basically cosplay as Cap and Bucky, and they're taking money mostly from children, but from Americans in general, in order to, like, come and meet them and get pictures with them and stuff. Mm. So the Red Skull mistakes them for the actual Captain America and Bucky and hangs them, making a huge, like, ha, 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 I finally got your superhero. They are not avenged. They are not mourned. They basically, it's like, yep, they're dead. And the moral of the story is that they made a living out of tricking fellow Americans out of their money, so they were no good. Yeah. And um, Ca- so a lot of comics those... took some pretty harsh stances in those days. It was really different. Well, so a lot of those stories were kickbacks to the Great Depression mm. because during that time, a lot of comics focused on the fact that, um, like. Corporations were trying to take money and that if you were stealing money off hardworking Americans that you were no good and you were the villain and things like that. And so 
they had like equal parts of these real world villains and they used to actually use like nazis names and things in the book so that people would be like yeah i know i hate you know that guy yeah um they wouldn't shy away from using the same names that were appearing in newspapers because and that was the thing like a lot of they did dramatize the accents and a couple of the features of the people that they were drawing but for the most part they didn't look like villains so you only knew they were a villain because a they had a name that appeared in the newspaper and b they were covered in swap stickers yeah and literally like i mean covered yeah, they in swap stickers um so as cat's popularity across the country grew he started developing his own fan club, the Sentinel of Liberties. Yeah. Which we, we spoke about earlier. So this was both an actual fan club that you could join for a small fee. You got basically like a library card and a little Captain America shield sent to you. I mean, yeah, it's the same shit you get for a Patreon. It's well, like now. And that was the thing. They figured that they were already getting your money to buy the book. So why not get your money to buy like your little fan club thing. I mean, that's still a thing now. They may have predicted it a little bit, but wearing your character's... Colours. Yeah, it's, it's always been a thing. Um, and then you also had, there was like a comic that came out of it that they were like a group of young caricature characters that would help Cap and Bucky on their adventure. Like, they really didn't there is stories of them helping them break into German camps, but at the same time, it's a bunch of, like, ten-year-olds. Yeah. So, did they really? I'm sure it had the same, I've got Batman in my basement episode vibes. Yes. Of that whole, uh, these kids are kind of dumb. Um, but at the same time, um, it was really cool because throughout the comic, like, Cap would regularly turn to the thing and be like, just because you can't be a part of the Sentinel, like the fan club, doesn't mean that you aren't a part of it. Yeah. Like, being a part of it is more than having this paid subscription. It's about, you know, upholding the morals and truth and liberty and the things that I fight for. And so long as you do that, you are a part of my, te- like, my team. Mm. And I think that's really cool because, yeah, okay, you're being cheap and you're swindling these kids for a library card, but... If they couldn't afford that, you weren't being like, eh, you're second rate. Like, they were still really including things in it. It was very do the right thing because it's the right thing to do kind of stuff. So, for these reasons, you've got it quickly becoming a best-selling comic. He's becoming a most popular character. Basically, it's selling a million copies a month. Um, and it's it's the top of its stuff. However, eventually the war would thankfully come to an end. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously for there to be the Silver Age and stuff later on, there has to be a dip. Yeah. I'm sick of the dip we're in currently. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's... All rises have falls. So you have America is slowly returning to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Simon and Kirby both left writing. Because they entered the war service itself. Yeah. Um, one of them joined the Marine Coast Guards. Uh, one of them actually was posted over in Europe for a little while. Like, they literally left the comic business. Yeah. When they came back, Stanley had taken over as editor-in-chief. 
and he had taken over Cat and was now deciding what happened to this character. Yeah. Um, he kept fighting the Nazis for a year after the war ended. It's just not topical. Really? And, and all the patriotism, not just of the Nazis, but of the culture. The people at the war who are no longer there don't need this Reminders. patriotic thing to, you know, fill them with piss and vinegar and get them ready to go. And the children back home, they don't need this big inspiring father figure because he's back now. Probably not, smacking them in the head and, not, you know, the parenting was different back then. They're probably getting beat a lot. But that, that father figure um, standing is no longer necessary. Mm. So, so you have Reader Shop takes a pretty steep drop. Oh, I can imagine. Lee has decided that that's not good enough. And so he tries to grab the war veterans back. Because they were actually, like, some of the main... People were buying comics and sending it across to the front. Because they enjoyed reading this yeah. guy that was on their team. Gave him something to thumb through that wasn't a girly mag. Yeah, so he started giving Steve adjustment issues. So, you know, he was struggling with... PTSD and stuff. All that kind of stuff. It still dropped. Uh, In a last-ditch attempt, Bucky gets shot and hospitalised, and Steve's good friend, Betty Ross, replaces Bucky as Golden Girl in an attempt to tap into the female depth. Graphic. I want to side tangent here a second. Feel free to shorten the gap. But is this the same Betty Ross, do you think? Yes. As Hulk's girlfriend? Probably. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. They never say that they're dating, but apparently they're peeps. No, her first appearance is Incredible Hulk. I guess it's just a name thing, like like Vic Zaz and The Question. Yeah. Weird. It's weird that there's only like nine names. Um, anyway, the comic would end up being cancelled in 1949. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley makes a second attempt to bring the character back. He creates a comic, Captain America, Commie Smasher. Yeah, subtle. Which lasted three issues. Wow. Then he tried to bring him back with the help of Jean Mar- John Ramada Sr. Yeah, who ended up doing massive work on Spider-Man later on. Yeah. But um, you, you said that it was cancelled in 1949? Yeah. You know, I always like to bring up things of that era to put you in, like, a mental time and place. Go like for to, it. All right, we've got, she wore a yellow ribbon. Ooh. Oh, that was the year of the yellow ribbon. Um, no, fuck all. These, these all suck. There's not a single good thing that year. Okay, good. In the good old summertime. It happens every spring. Yeah, can, there's can there's no go, winter. Can I go back to? I mean, you can. I'm Mon- just. I love old movie titles. They suck ass. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're so, so great. Lee Ramada Senior and Lawrence trying to bring Cat back in Young Men, mm-hmm. issue twenty four to twenty eight. It's just look. It's not happening. But this is where things get weird. So I've found two different stories on the whole Capsicle storyline. Mm-hmm. One story goes, in 1964, Stan decides he wants to revive the character again. However, he doesn't want to highlight the character's drop in popularity when he was writing the story. Mm. So he comes up with the fact that the true Captain America had fallen into suspended animation at the end of a battle in 1945. 
which current fans will know from the movie as the falling into the ice yeah. thing. So this, this, and the reason why he was in suspended animation rather than actually death was because the super soldier serum didn't allow his body's molecules to actually freeze. It just put him into, like, hibernation. Yeah. Okay. However. I mean, we've seen him survive more ridiculous stuff than that anyway, so it's not that far off. True. However, the other story says that in 1962, so two years, um, yeah, two years earlier, um, while working on Spider-Man, Kirby and Simons see where characters are today and what's making them popular and how Spider-Man has this super diverse background and, you know, he's got these really great morals and he's well, managed to age with what's going on well, at the time. Well, that was an important step that made Marvel stand out during the Silver Age was that the, the, rule, the rule used to be DC were gods pretending to be men mm-hmm. and Marvel was always men pretending to be gods. Mm-hmm. So you've always got, like, these normal people pressured into doing insane shit. And it gave, it gave a lot more character development than, oh, let's punch the villain. Well, and see, that's a lot of the thing why Cap became so popular, because he wasn't rich, he wasn't incredibly strong, he had failed his enrollment test. Yeah. Like, he was a shit person. It's an underdog story, to sort of. come around. Yeah. Um... But so they saw all of this stuff that's currently going on as they're working on Spider-Man, and they're like, "Hey, hey, you you wanna you wanna do this to Captain America, and we'll just pretend that you know Stanley was using some like imposter because we've had it. Bef- there's multiple stories. That shit happens all the time. Where there's imposters within the thing because during during the time when Stanley was writing it and he was integrating. Um, there was a moment there where Steve became a phys ed teacher at a high school. Yeah, what about and the time he like, became a werewolf? That would never happen. So um, That's a weird like, callback because they use his videos in the gym in Spider-Man and I think they did it on purpose. Well, so they were like, let's just pretend that like that never, like Stanley's, mm. it just, it ended where we left it. At, oh, you know, the yeah. end of the war. Operation Clone Saga, Operation... That time Jason Todd was Batman, Operation That Time, that other time Jason Todd was Batman, Operation That Time Hugo Strange was Batman. Yeah. So. The imposter. So. Always a Apparently they wrote the issue where there's a missile headed towards a major city. Mm-hmm. Bucky and Cap realize that they cannot deactivate it. Bucky gets blown up in the explosion. Cap gets tossed into the sea and frozen or you know, animated. Um, and then when he gets rediscovered in 1964 to catch it back up because they like to have their characters in the time that they're in. Yeah, they like to run a timeline. Well, it makes it easier when you're writing stuff, I suppose. Um, he's racked with survivor's guilt, but he's also trying to find a way to cope with the changes and what's going on in the world at the time, which is... Basically what we see when it comes to... Captain America 2. First Avenger and the second one. I forget when he shows up. It, it's kind of... Look, oh, they, they've Avengers. clearly, like, smooshed together all of his, like, 
all the stepping origin, stones. And just say, like, and we'll just put it there. The origin, the disappearance, all of it. The only thing that I will say that is extremely interesting about the fact, mm-hmm. whoever came up with, you know, how he got frozen in the ice, mm-hmm. it wasn't until 1972 when... Um, someone named Eagleheart took over the Captain America timeline that he tried to fix the discrepancy in the comic timeline. Because when they brought Captain America back, they just didn't talk about the fact that they tried to, like, keep his run going. Now, this is Steve Englehart, I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah, I, I recognize the name. But there's like there's, like, two years of comics that came out that they were just like, no, it didn't happen. He tries to find a way to say that that happened, but also the actual, like, canonical history is he was frozen in ice. That's why I recognise his name. <laughs> Englehart. But we'll, we'll give him time. He's another key player in this. Um, first started as an assistant to Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill, both fucking gods of Batman comics. Yep. He worked with them when they were doing Vampirella. He worked with Gardner Fox, the dude who pretty much built the Justice League later. Um, pretty much. His name pops up in a lot of things that would tie into stuff we like. He, you know, he worked on X Men. He wrote Avengers for a little while. He did, yeah, he did so much shit. But yeah, so that's basically. Cap becoming a capsicle. Yeah, well, our episode was originally going to end at the freezing, but the more research we did, that's not a moment in time as much as an excuse later. It, it was it's literally... The yeah, it was... How, how do we get the character from where he was to where he is and where we need him to be in order to bring him back? Yeah. Um, basically... His comeback story is during the Silver Age of Marvel. Which is hard to come back to. The Silver Age for characters, like, this is why I failed coming out of the Golden Age. But the Silver Age was hard for yeah. a lot of old characters. The old the old Flash, whose name I'm mentally blanking really hard. Jay? Jay Garrick. His character just didn't work anymore. Yeah. Captain America's character didn't work anymore. Batman ended up doing a lot of weird sci-fi shit. He became a genie one time. Yeah. It's a good cover, though. I know, but maybe... Maybe just put him in a... Just tuck him away. Freeze his ass. <laughs> you know? So the fact that he came no, out at all is a... the beginning of time. It's fine. Oh, my God. No, that was a different <laughs> stupid time in Batman history. He's been That's an episode there. in itself. Dumb Batmans. Through the ages. <laughs> Next list episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Batman Fucked Up. The new podcast coming this summer. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the fact that they unfroze him and made him a man out of time worked insanely good. It, it, it fit the character like a glove. And it, like... And he, and he showed up in a world where you just... Where loving your country and its people and being patriotic yeah. and trusting your fucking government are very separate things. 
Well, and that's the thing. They were able to explore things like Watergate and... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was so mad about Watergate, he became the nomad. I think yeah. that's what that's what made him quit that's, that's America. That's what it was, yeah. I quit because America. He he was so trained that the government were there to help them. And, hmm. like, the bad guys were big business. And then he gets unfrozen and he comes back into this world where the government are the issue. And he's like, I don't know how to function. You guys have forgotten what this country was made from. And that but, was, yeah, that that's what I, that's what I mean. He, that fits that type of character. That's it's, it's genius that they chose to go that way. With and it. that's why I kind of believe that Kirby and Simons came up with like how do we bring this character back? Because honestly, it was their voice. Like I know that they're not what some people would call true Americans because they're both immigrants. But that was but their, back in the day. That's that what was it meant. their America. Those are that the people literally there. chasing the American dream of the dudes coming there to chase that dream. Yeah. And that's, you know, Captain America was very much the vessel of this is what you've promised the world and we can achieve it if we believe that we can achieve it. And I think that's like a really poignant message. That's why Captain America is one of my favourite characters because, like, He's not there for anyone else. He's not even there for himself. He is there to make his country see that they are more than they think they are. Like, he's the ultimate hype man. Mm. So. I'm sure we'll pick up some of his later adventures in another episode. I'd love to talk about some of the weird shit that they've done with Captain America. he's done some weird stuff. Let's be honest. A lot of the popular characters now were fucking not popular characters before. Before the movie started, you had X-Men, Spider-Man, and Daredevil. Yeah. And that was your Marvel. No one gave a fuck about Iron Man until that movie. Pretty much. So there's a lot of good times. We can talk about Captain America becoming a werewolf. We could go more into him being a PE teacher. We could could talk about that time it turned out he was a Nazi the whole time. Oh, there's a lot of times that happened. Oh, it's so funny. However, you want to know the one thing that I do wish that they would bring back from old Captain America? Mm -hmm. I'm going to find The old pointy shield? No, no. I'm going to find my old... They did bring back the old pointy shield and Bucky. Yeah, we'll put him back. No, no, the old comic names. The League of Hate. Um, The spread of propaganda for soft peace. Yo, soft peace. Hang on, I'm gonna. I got a soft peace for you. The terror that was Devil Island. Oh, like I just like their names. I was reading through my little, you know, research page, and I'm like, that is the stupidest and coolest name all at the same time. Um, do you have any final thoughts about? Early Captain America, this is mostly a history lesson. A lot of these big-name characters we can't fit. So this is this is our starting ground. This is him rising to power and then freezing and then coming back for vague bits of power until I, the movies. I, I do like that we have, like, the rise and fall of Holly. We just have the freeze and unfreeze of Captain America. Yeah. Welcome to the freeze and unfreeze, everybody. Um, this pen doesn't work. I'm, I don't know if it's final thoughts on the character... But For now. we should be extremely proud as comic book people for the portrayal that his character got in the first Avenger. Yeah, because the one before that of him wearing a motorcycle helmet and sucking ass 
wasn't very good. But I'm just saying, like, he, they actually gave us a character that stayed true to who it was. Yeah. And that's something that's very uncommon. Like, I don't know. I just think we got a really good representation of what it is at the time. All right, cool. Uh, I, I like Golden Age characters. I always do. I always like the history lesson. Like, there's all those rumors that he's based on a Jewish golem to protect people hmm. and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of great history and stuff you can learn from it. Like how John John Marston's dude from Red Dead Redemption, Doctor Marston, thought that eventually women will be in power. Because mm-hmm. they're smart and they usually live longer. We are. So he was preparing young boys when he invented Wonder Woman. Yeah. All that old weird history. That, that's kind of my... That's my that's my jam. And Captain America's like the only Marvel one because they all started in the Silver Age. Yeah, pretty much. He's your boy. We like our boy. He is your timely Atlas Marvel boy. Yeah, boy. Um, do you want to get into homework now that I've thought of what it is? Yeah, boy. Retcons. Ooh. I mean, him and Bucky coming back is one of the best ones to exist. Yeah. Do you have any favourites off the top of your head, or do you want to Google a little bit while I go over a couple? Alfred. I know you're a Pennyworth fan. Um, Do you remember originally, like way originally when he was like an unrelated detective who was fat and stupid and sucked? No. Yeah, well, don't worry about that, because, you know, then he became the butler, who was brought in after the fact. I didn't realise this came from Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. But that's when they decided Alfred had been there since before the murders. Good. Because that's the where he's supposed to be. Right? That's you, a, that's, you stay where you are. That's a good retcon. How weird is it to think that before 1985 like, or 86, they just hired him on the side... Listen, bud, I'm going to be Batman for a bit. I need you to dust. No pressure. The Alfred we have now is perfect. He, you know, he sees this kid go through something horrible and traumatic, and I think he knows he can't talk him out of being Batman. Hmm. But he's still supportive when he needs to be. Alfred's a fucking awesome character. He is. And that's a good retcon because he's, he's he probably sucked. one of my favourite I know, DC that's, characters. That's why I thought it was a good example. In in almost every reincarnation, I don't have a problem with him. Mm. Because Except he, for the current one is, where he's dead, spoilers for people. He's I think it's because he's equal parts of like he's supportive and he's that father figure, but he's so professional that he's like I will have a joke with you, but I understand you sign my paycheck each week. Like, I ain't gonna push this. But he's, like, when Batman needs a spanking, he'll spank him. Mm. But when Batman needs, like, a, you did good, go to bed, he'll give him that too. Yeah, and he raises, like, every Robin. He raises, like, every Robin. He defends that manner to the death. I love when he has a shotgun. He's like, I don't give a shit about Bruce Wayne's rule. You get the fuck out of here. Look, he's not here right now. Uh, if you would like to leave a message, mm. that's fine. Otherwise, get the fuck out. Another another good retcon I like was the Swamp Thing Alec Holland stuff. Mm-hmm. 
that was another one of those like mid eighties. Let's be grim and whatever because it's the Bronze Age stuff. When originally Swamp Thing was Alec Holland, but all Swamp Monstery, and then mm. eventually they based it on a specific type of worm. I forget the details, but they eat something and then they like absorb its memories in a way because they're weird yeah. bugs and they do weird yeah. shit. So then it became Alec Holland's memory was embedded in this plant monster. So then there's mm-hmm. that fun twist that you were never a fucking man. And then, you know, he has to deal with that. It, it works. It's one of those weird pseudoscience things that eh, almost works. All right. So I got two. You got some favorites? I don't know if they're favorites, but I've got two that are good ones. All right. One. I swear to God, if you bring back um, Cheyenne Fremont, I'll be mad. No? I was, I was going to so- talk sorry, about I mean- Winter Soldier. And how they decide the Bucky wasn't blown up. For all those people at home, I meant, uh, I meant Sasha Border. Don't hassle me about weird mid nineties irrelevant detective issues. All right, I know. No, no. Okay, so I was gonna because we talked about Inglehart. Yep. So he created the character Peter Quill, Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, there was some weird thing about like a messiah born under like a planetary alignment and there's weird alien ancestry and like stuff yeah people don't realize it now the guardians of the galaxy and star lord all that stuff was the fucking worst well it's all okay. how would the duck ladies and gentlemen inglehart quits working for marvel yes he do he, he works at captain america he gives a star lord he leaves and there's this weird like you know bizarre time ripping thing that happens as we go but by guardians of the galaxy 3 brian michael bendis takes over and he sits there and he explains no no he was just an abandoned child left on earth his father was an alien it's fine it's it's fine everybody don't worry about it so that's you know this pretty helpful yeah the other one is alan moore which one he's done a lot of things something oh you're taking my one now yes fuck you i already said that one you didn't say that one i mentioned it the bug swamp thing stuff no so you have originally oh okay comic origins a guy alec hal gets caught in an accident chemical explosion Yep, that same one that does every hero Gains the characteristics bit. of, you know... Of a bush. Ba- basically. <laughs> he is a bush. Alan Moore comes along in 1984, flips the script. Hmm? The explosion caused the vegetation to turn into a man. No, that's too far in the other direction, damn it. Nope. He's the Avatar of the Green. Yeah, because... Here's all the green. Alright. Yeah. Take that one. Do you have any ones that suck? Any bad retcons? Because I brought up Sasha Bordeaux. Azazel is Nightcrawler's dad? I don't know shit about that. I don't know nothing about X-Men. Yeah, you're not really into the X-Men, are you? They're too complicated. <laughs> They're too much of a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved the death of Sasha and it was just a little it was a little beat that showed Batman dropping the ball a little bit and how far people will go to protect that secret 
And for some reason, they took this very abstract character that didn't live that long. Now, like, make her a, a different ethnicity cyborg working for Checkmate, a ca- like a the bad agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. no one cares about. Yeah. What, what, what for? Make any... You made an original character anyway. I don't know why they kept the name. Yeah. They pulled her out of that jail morgue and they made her black and she was in a coma for a while. Do you want me to guess, though? <laughs> like, hands down, mm-hmm. we can both agree, is the both recon, best recon. Mm-hmm. Jason Todd. Yeah. It's the best recon. Very good. Not the, not the one where he's the not... most painful ass character, dead as a doornail, to being one of the best villains. Yeah, look, we're not talking about Slash that time Superboy punched reality so hard that Jason Todd fell out. We're talking about no, no, the... we're talking about actual story. Go watch Under the Red Hood, the animated film. It's very, very good. Yeah. We'll leave you with this. this and the, the worst retcon, everyone... It's, it's, it's a list every fucking where, is the Spider-Man brand new day thing where... Where he's... Arnie gets shot, and then he's like, hey, Satan, can I have her back? And he's like, sure, but I don't want you to be married anymore. <laughs> and he's like, you bet your ass I don't. I will not be married no more. Mm. Clumsy shit. All right, there you go. That's a good one. That's the end. We did it. I, I hope you enjoyed this one. It's very history-heavy and then rambly. Yeah. It's a good mixture of things. Welcome to us. Yeah. I have been your host... Toby DePaul, I've been joined by my lovely producer, Kaya Steen. Hi! Uh-huh. Death rides a pale horse. Good night. Oh, class dismissed. The, the thing we said.